Well, good morning. My name is Nate. I am one of the pastors here at Radiant. Uh, and it is so good to be with you this morning. I have been looking forward to opening up to this topic specifically even this week. Um, if you're in one of our small groups here at Harvest, you've already been digging into this, and so I'm excited to kind of walk through it together. It is radiant God all-knowing this morning. Uh, when was the last time that you were in a conversation and that conversation ended with the answer, I don't know. <laughs> um, back in the day, it happened all the time. You're like, Nate, when was back in the day? I don't know. It was back in the day. Uh, back in the day, I mean, this happened constantly. You might be hanging out with friends or family at your house, or maybe you're around a fire, okay, and you're sitting and you're just talking and you're looking up at the sky and someone goes, oh man, there are so many stars. Does anybody know how many stars are in our galaxy? And wait, what galaxy are we in? And, you know, there was a smart person there and they'd be like, Oh, it's the Milky Way galaxy. They're like, oh, okay, how many stars are in the Milky Way galaxy? Like, I don't know, thousands? No, that's not enough. Tens of thousands? No, it's gotta be, it's gotta be millions. But I don't know. <laughs> Maybe I'll look it up this week in an encyclopedia. Right, when was the last time that happened to you, it's probably been a while, because what do we do? We instantly reach for knowledge at our fingertips in the form of a cellular device normally. And a lot of times we will ask them, hey Siri, oh it was fun, first service someone's went off. <laughs> or hey Google or whatever the other one is, if you have one of those other kinds of phones, Alexa or something like that. And we'd say, like, we need to know, right? We always need to know right now. By the way, I asked her and she told me, um, there are estimated to be between 200 and 400 billion stars in the Milky Way galaxy. That has nothing to do with anything, but that is awesome. <laughs> I mean, what? So I had a follow-up question for her. Siri and I had a great conversation. And it was, and I said, like, how many galaxies are there in the universe? And they said they estimate that there are 100 billion galaxies. What? But we, we are obsessed with knowledge, with knowing, whether it's about people or whether it's facts. Like, we want to and we try to know it all. Whether it's the latest trade journal and figuring out what is the best and the newest business strategy, we want to know. Whether it's scrolling through social media, because I just need to know about people, which by the way, like we really think that we can keep up with 400 people's lives I don't have a lot of friends. Some of you might be 4,000 people's lives. And we think it's healthy to even try to do that. Or maybe it's watching documentaries. I love documentaries. By the way, if you're looking for a good documentary, there's one on a rock climber that's called Free Solo. You're welcome. Uh, or maybe it's news feeds. 
We just get bombarded with data and news and information constantly, and we want to know more. And it's so overwhelming, but we can't help ourselves. We just need to know. And then we try to convince ourselves that it's good and healthy and right with some kind of pseudo-spiritual reasoning. And we drive ourselves into anxiety trying to keep up, trying to know it all, trying to do and to be what we were never intended to be. God. God is all-knowing. God alone is all-knowing. He is omniscient. What does that mean? It means he knows everything. All of it? Yes. Even, yep, and yep. (laughs) All of it. He knows everything. He knows all things past, present, and future. He never learns, and he is never surprised. He never lacks any knowledge. All of it, all of the time, forever is his. And that ought to cause us to stop and worship. Psalm 139.6 says, Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It's high. I cannot attain it. I can't understand it. I can't fathom it. Isaiah 55.9 says, For as the heavens are higher than the earth, So are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. In Romans 11, after considering uh, the mysteries of God and salvation, Paul just stops and he worships. He says this, Oh, the depth of the riches and the wisdom and the knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. For who has known the mind of God? Or who has been his counselor? Or who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid? For from him and through him and to him are all things to him be glory forever and ever. Amen. We could and we will spend eternity considering the depths of the knowledge of God. But we don't have eternity this morning. So we're going to consider three facets of the knowledge of God And we're going to be turned into several passages of scripture. Some of them will be up here. Some of them we'll turn to. But first, God knows all things infinitely. God knows all things infinitely. Psalm 147, he says, He determines the number of the stars. He gives to all of them their names. Great is our Lord and abundant in power. His understanding is beyond measure, infinite. In 1 Corinthians 2, it says, For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person which is in him? So also, no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Matthew chapter 10, Even the hairs of your head are numbered. From the greatest detail to the smallest, infinitely, he knows it. God's knowledge is without limit. It's universal in its scope. It's immeasurable. It's exhaustive. It's all-encompassing. We learn 
right? We, we see things, we observe, we discover, and then we study in order to gain increased knowledge. Not God. He knows it all. And he never forgets a bit of it. Big or small, simple or complex, distant or far. There's no galaxy in the universe. There's no aspect of himself. There's no tiny corner of some rainforest somewhere. There is no person, place, or action, or thought that is not completely, perfectly, and always known by our God. Uh, think of the, the smartest person that you know. Okay? You got it? How many of you are thinking of yourself right now? I think the smartest person you know, I read somewhere this week that it's estimated that the human brain has a memory capacity of between 10 and 100 terabytes. Okay, now the brain is a whole lot more complex than a computer, okay? But if you think about it, they're like, this is, this is about what we estimate is the capacity of a human brain, 10 to 100 terabytes, okay? And some of us have used so little of that, we don't know what a terabyte is. Me included. So I looked it up. One terabyte is equivalent to about a thousand gigabytes or one million megabytes. Yeah, I still don't know. <laughs> like, it's a lot. Okay, that's a ton of data that God has allowed our brains to contain, but it's finite. See, a healthy brain, they say, will never stop learning but it's finite in its capacity, meaning it's going to have to dump something to make new connections. Okay, We have limits. As I get older, I am increasingly struck by how little I know and how quickly I forget what I thought I knew. Uh, some of you have been on the receiving end of this because I've asked you your names about a dozen times, and that will probably continue because I'm only getting older. Um, but I was struck by how little I knew even recently. My, uh, my family loves watching Jeopardy um, and Wheel of Fortune and Price is Right. Oh, but recently, just a few weeks ago, there was a Jeopardy called The Greatest of All Time if you saw that, and they had like the three greatest Jeopardy players of all time, and they were duking it out for like a million or two million or something extraordinary amount of money. And, and I am normally, I'm normally this vast reservoir of useless information. Um, it's kind of a gift. And by my estimation, anyway, I think I'm pretty good at Jeopardy. Like I can get 10 to 12, you know, per board and that kind of thing. Not on greatest of all time. Nothing. It was insane how difficult these boards were and these guys were just tearing through them like they were nothing i mean whether it was some obscure russian poet to like the latest on the royal family in the uk like they knew it and they knew it quick it's amazing the ability that god has given us for factual recollection but it's finite it's limited god is not Limited. Ken Jennings has nothing on God. He knows it all. Uh, go ahead and turn your Bibles to Isaiah 
chapter 41. Isaiah chapter 41. We're right in the middle of your Bible, if you're not sure where that is. Uh, We're going to be in a couple passages in Isaiah, so we'll be flipping around here. Isaiah chapter 41. When you get there, you can look down. We'll be starting in verse 21. Um, A little context of what's happening here. Um, Yahweh, our God, is calling out all of the false gods. He's calling out the false gods of the Babylonians, and he's asking them to prove that they are gods. All right, when you think about it, it's actually quite comical. Um, But it's what's happening here. He's saying, okay, if these gods are real, then I'm calling you out. And here's what it says, verse 21. We'll start there. Set forth your case, says the Lord. Bring your proofs, says the king of Jacob. Let them bring them and tell us, idols, what is to happen? Tell us the former things, what they are, so that we may consider them, so that we may know their outcome or declare to us the things to come. Tell us what is to come hereafter. He's like, tell us the future if you're gods, so that we, so that we may know that you are gods. Do good or do harm, do anything, <laughs> so that we might be dismayed and terrified. Behold, you are nothing, and your work is less than nothing. An abomination is he who chooses you. I stirred up from the north, and he will come. From the rising of the sun, and he shall call upon my name. He shall trample on rulers as on mortar, as the potter treads clay. Who declared it from the beginning? So that we may know, and beforehand, so that we may say, he is right. There are none who declared it. None who proclaimed. None who heard your words. I was the first to say to Zion, behold, here they are. I give to Jerusalem my herald of good news. But when I look, there is no one. No one among these, among these idols. There is no counselor who, when I ask, gives an answer. Behold, they are all a delusion. Their works are nothing. Their metal images are empty wind. Yahweh's like, listen, if you're God, if you're really God's, prove it. Explain where the world came from. Explain the things of the past. And tell us the future. Tell us what's coming if you're a God. Oh, you can't. Because you're not. And he says, I can. I'm the true God. You are nothing. He knows it all. Past, present, future, actual. And he knows it all simultaneously and perfectly. He is the infinite God. Therefore, he knows infinitely. He is the creator, God. And so he knows perfectly what he has created. Creator God is coming here in a couple weeks. I want to read this quote to you. It's a little long, but bear with me. It's so good. A.W. Tozer, in his book, Knowledge of the Holy, said this about this attribute of God. 
He says that God is omniscient, is not only taught in the scriptures, it must be inferred also from all else that is taught concerning him. God perfectly knows himself, and being the source and author of all things, it follows that he knows all that can be known. And this, he knows instantly, and with a fullness of perfection that includes every possible item of knowledge concerning everything that exists or could have have existed anywhere in the universe at any time in the past or that may exist in the centuries or the ages yet unborn. He said, God knows instantly and effortlessly all matter and all matters, all mind and every mind all spirit and all spirits, all being and every being, all creaturehood and all creatures, every plurality and all pluralities, all law and every law, all relations, all causes, all thoughts, all mysteries, all enigmas, all feeling, all desires, every unuttered secret, all thrones and dominions, all personalities, all things visible and invisible in heaven and in earth, motion, space, time, life, death, good, evil, heaven and hell. He knows it all infinitely. God knows all things infinitely. Next, God knows all things intricately. God knows all things intricately. See, he doesn't just know all things infinitely. He knows them intricately. He knows all of the details, all the complexities, the ins and the outs and the, and the plans. You see, he rules it all. He orchestrates, he decrees, he foreordains everything according to his perfect plan. Therefore, he knows. Why? He's sovereign. He's sovereign over every bit of it. And he knows. In a few weeks, we'll be talking about God is sovereign. Turn over a couple pages to Isaiah chapter 46. Isaiah 46. Read a good part of this chapter here. Again, it's Yahweh challenging the false gods of the Babylonians. I love this passage because he compares them to him. (laughs) Chapter 46, start in verse 1. Bel bows down, Nebo stoops. Their idols are on the backs of beasts and livestock. These things you carry are borne as burdens on weary beasts. They stoop, they bow down together. They cannot save the burden, but themselves, they go into captivity. Listen to me, O house of Jacob, all the remnant of the house of Israel, who has been born by me from before your birth, carried from the womb even to the Your old age, I am he. And to gray hairs, I will carry you. I have made, I will bear 
I will carry and I will save. He's like, idols, you get carried around on the backs of animals. I am the God who carries. Verse 5, to whom will you liken me and make me equal or compare me so that we may be alike? Those who lavish gold from the purse and weigh out silver in the scales and then hire a goldsmith and he makes it into a god? And then they fall down and worship? And they lift it to their shoulders and they carry it. They set it in its place. And it stands there and it can't move from its place. If one cries to it, it doesn't answer or save him from his trouble. Remember this and stand firm. Recall it to mind, you transgressors. Remember the former things of old. He's saying, look back. Remember what you know of me as God. For I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me. I declare the end when? From the beginning. From Ancient times I declare things not yet done, saying my counsel will stand. I will accomplish all my purpose, calling a bird of prey from the east and the man of my counsel from the far country. I have spoken and I will bring it to pass. I have purposed and I will do it. He knows. He knows all the pieces to the puzzle. Because it's according to his perfect plan. He knows it intricately because he is the one purposing it and carrying it out. And he has declared it from the ages past. We always want to know what's next, don't we? What's best and what's the, what's the perfect plan and what should I do and what? job should I take and what person should I date what decision should I make we want to know what are you doing Lord he doesn't always give us all of the intricate details does he so what do we do verse 8 he says remember who I am and stand firm Trust. Trust the one who knows. It's not all for us to know. Ah. He is God. We are not. He knows it intricately. It's his plan. Trust him. I want to read to you really quick. It makes me think of this passage. I think we've read it before in this series, but that's okay. Psalm 131 says this. It says, O Lord, my heart is not lifted up. It's not proud. My eyes are not raised too high. I do not occupy myself with things too great and too marvelous for me, things beyond my comprehension, things that are for God. But I've calmed. I've quieted my soul. 
like a weaned child with its mother, like a weaned child is my soul within me. O Israel, hope in the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. Ah. He knows. He knows it all infinitely. He knows it all intricately. And thirdly, God knows us intimately. God knows us intimately. See, he doesn't merely know all things infinitely and all things intricately. He doesn't just know us factually like he knows a tree. (laughs) He made us in his image. And if we are in Christ, he dwells in us, in his spirit. And he knows us. He knows us intimately. He knows us personally. He knows our hearts and our motives. He knows our desires and our fears. He knows our hopes and our feelings and our thoughts. He knows our sin. He knows our struggles. And he knows our circumstances, whatever they are. Like he doesn't know me. He doesn't know what I'm suffering right now. He doesn't know what I'm enduring. I promise you. He promises you. He does. And he cares. And he understands. And he loves. Um, Hebrews chapter 4. I think it'll be on the screen behind you. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14 and following says, Since then we have a great high priest. We have a mediator, a go-between, God and man, who has passed through the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. Because we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. But one who in every respect every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need our savior knows he knows better than we do because he has persevered in it without sin he has endured in victory and he invites us to call out to him for mercy for grace and for help because he knows one more quote from aw tozer it's just too good to not read it says this to us who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope that is set before us in the gospel how unutterably sweet is the knowledge that our Heavenly Father knows us completely. No talebearer can inform on us. No enemy can make an accusation stick. No forgotten skeleton can come tumbling out of some closet to abash us and expose our past. No unsuspected weakness in our character can come to light that will turn God away from us since he knew us utterly before we knew him. 
And he called us to himself in the full knowledge of everything that was against us. Our Father in heaven knows our frame. And he remembers that we are dust. He knew our inborn treachery. And for his own sake, he engaged to save us. His only begotten son, when he walked among us, felt our pains in their naked intensity of anguish. His knowledge of our afflictions and adversities is more than theoretic. It's personal. It's warm and compassionate. Whatever may befall us, God knows and he cares like no one else can. He knows. I think there are a lot of ways that we can respond both right and wrong to even this specific truth about God. We could respond in repentance. We could respond in anger, fear, doubt, or we could worship. Where are you at? He even knows that. Uh, Turn your Bibles, last passage, to John chapter 20. John chapter 20. I was wrestling through this truth this week. Um, I was struggling with some different things in regards to this and God graciously uh, one day in my quiet time uh, brought me to this passage and I just, I just want us to close in it. John chapter 20, as you're turning, you'll probably see the context if you look at the, kind of the headings and the chapters as you go past them. Um, Christ has been crucified. He's risen from the dead. And now here, um, we'll be down in verse 24 starting. He, he's appeared to some of the disciples and to Mary, okay? Verse 24 of John chapter 20 says this. Now Thomas, one of the 12, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the disciples told him, they said, uh, we've seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails. Unless I place my finger into the mark of the nails and unless I place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again and Thomas was with them. And although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them And rightly, he has to say, peace be with you. In verse 27, then he said to Thomas, Thomas, put your finger here. See my hands? Put out your hand, Thomas. Place it in my side. not disbelieve believe here Thomas 
touched the wounds that I endured on your behalf. Jesus, he could have responded in so many different ways there to Thomas. And what's he do? Knowing, being the omniscient one, knowing the, the doubts and the fears and the struggles going on in the heart of Thomas, he patiently and graciously and lovingly invites him to believe. I know Thomas. Trust me. Verse 28. Thomas answered him and he says, My Lord and my God. What a statement of faith. My Lord, my Savior, my Master, and my God. The omniscient. And Jesus said to him, have you believed because you've seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. He knows. Our infinite creator God knows all things infinitely. Our sovereign God knows all things intricately. Our Savior, our Lord, knows us intimately. Don't doubt. Believe. Worship. Father, thank you for your patience with us. Forgive us for so often, so foolishly trying to put ourselves in your place. Oh, the weight that is lifted when we stop trying to do and to be what only you can. Help us to trust you. Lord, when we don't know, and we don't know why, we can't figure it out, and we waver in our trust, Lord, may we know that you, the omniscient God of the universe, know it all. You've planned it all. You've put it all into place. You've purposed it, and you have a perfect plan and we can trust you you are beautiful you're amazing and we love you and from you and through you and to you are all things to you be glory forever and ever and ever Amen.